0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another of Revolution Recap, the Revolution came away with a much needed three points with a 2 1 home victory over Charlotte FC. Adam Buxa struck early on a header in the eighth minute, but it was a Matt Polster deflection that was the game winner for the Revolution in their first win in way, way, way too long. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Sean Donahue. Sean, how's it going?
2: Good. It's good to be back. I think I've missed about a, a month of plus of episodes. Um, for those that, that don't know, I had. Uh, the birth of my first baby uh, back in the end of March. So that's very exciting. But that's why I've been, been missing. And uh, I'm lacking a bit of sleep today, but I do my best to push through. I'm glad to be
1: back. We're very excited, Sean. I'm sure our listeners and Revs fans who support the podcast are extremely happy to hear about it. So congratulations to you and your wife on little Sean Jr. Uh, that is wonderful. And And you know what? It's great, too, because I don't have to you know log into twitter anymore and see all the questions of where the hell sean where is sean what's he doing i think the last time you were on the show it was before the losing streak so people were starting to blame you for for your absence but here you are you've come back to the podcast the revs have won so apparently you are the lucky charm to the revolution so uh, glad to have you back sean
2: well, you know, the, the year the radio show started was the start of the revolution's uh, three straight years of making it to MLS Cup. So I do think I am good luck for the rev
1: sometimes, although maybe not quite good enough, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Is Sean the most important person for the revolution? Some, some people are saying that, but uh, Sean, before we get into this game, uh, on the heels of your announcement, we actually have a show announcement that we are going to bring to you right now. Joining the podcast now is a very special guest, Corey Cloutier of The Rebellion and alumni of the Bryant University in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Corey, how are you doing today?
0: Great. Thanks for having me, too. I really appreciate it. Doing really, really well.
1: And we're having you on the podcast today because we have an exciting announcement for our listeners. We are essentially teaming up with the Rebellion. Uh, We are going to work together to kind of promote each other and promote each other's events. I'm really excited about this relationship because from our perspective, one thing that we wanted to do going into this season and beyond is kind of getting more fan feedback, getting more involved with the supporters groups. Uh, And Corey, I I know you and I know each other a little bit uh, from talking about Bryant basketball and we've kind of had some conversations and um, you know, we're, I'm really excited to work with you guys about getting a little more uh, fan engagement, and a little bit more feedback about what the fans want to hear in terms of our podcast and us expanding our content. So anything to add on that?
0: No, I mean, we're really excited too. We think, working with the local community and especially like the rev, oh, the Revs family, you know, we, we can't be more happy to work with you guys and, and just, you know, find a group that is willing to, to talk about the revs and to, to get their name out there. And, you know, we have a really big thing. I don't know how much you know about it, but, you know, stronger together has been our motto, you know, for the last couple of years now, we even had a Tifo about it just because it's really, really important to us. And, you know, having a a partnership like this is just going to be really beneficial.
1: And one thing I want to point out, and it kind of goes with your mantra of stronger together is that we are open to working with, a lot of groups we just had on Nico Calabria of the Revolution Amputee soccer team. We want to do kind of more promotion of that, more promotion local soccer, not just talking about the game. So, um, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to be talking with you guys in the future uh, and all the projects you have going on. Uh, I know we had Matt Zitka of the Midnight Riders on last year. Uh, hopefully he can join uh, the podcast again this season. And hopefully we get to do some stuff with the Midnight Riders as well. Uh, and, and even if you're not in a supporters group, we'd love to work with you as well and kind of bring promotion to... You know, everything going on locally in terms of soccer uh, and around the revolution. So, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, this is some sort of exclusive partnership. Corey, you obviously can work with other uh, media members and other podcasts, uh, and we can work with other fans. Uh, This is essentially just about bringing uh, the soccer community a little bit together more. Uh, And as you said, stronger together. I'm really buying into that mantra as well. And uh, I'm really glad to be a part of it and to promote your events and fundraisers. So, Corey, is the I mean, talk about stronger together a little bit, and talk about uh, some of your other projects.
0: Yeah, I can kind of bring it back just to when we first initially started it in 2020. You know, we were really looking to try to end you know that any animosity between any of the Revolution family members, whether they're supporter members, whether they're just season ticket members, or they're just someone who goes to the game once a year. We really wanted to kind of bring the community together. And so we thought, you know, Stronger Together was one of the ways to do that. So we truly started that mission, you know, just two years ago and kind of have started uh, at this process at this stage now is, you know, working with the local community, um, trying to get involved more, having groups join up with us um, like we had Militia and us, you know, join forces. Um, We even uh, were working with you guys at this stage now, which was really exciting. So we're really looking forward to kind of working with that community uh, and and just engaging more and more. Um, That's kind of the whole purpose behind Stronger Together. And, uh, yeah, so we even made a TIFO out of it, which is uh, really, really cool.
1: I think that's all very great, and as I say, I'm very excited to be a part of this. And as I say, kind of being in Revs Media, we're kind of a little bit separate from the fan base. Uh, we kind of don't really have a pulse of what's going on. And as I say, I, I, one thing that we've heard back is that we're not really involved with the fan supporter groups. Uh, we're not really involved with the fans. And you know, our goal as a podcast is to make life to be more fun as a Revs fan. Uh, and now the team is well not right now there there it's not a lot of fun to be a Revs fan but recently the team has been growing uh you know they have certainly been putting more resources into the team I, I think there is a new era of revolution soccer going forward uh, and I, I hope off the field uh you know as i say it just becomes more and more fun to be a, a Revs fan and Corey, how can people get involved with you guys at the rebellion you know
0: the thing is too, it's funny that you asked that question because people, people constantly will ask, you know, how do I get involved or do I have to like do X, Y, Z to like hang out with you guys. And, you know, we even have an entire page on our website uh, about this and it just clearly explains that you don't need to even be a rebellion member or in a supporter group to just come hang out and get the experience. We have tons of people who will just walk on over to our tailgate lot, introduce themselves, say hi. Um, And that's the beauty of it to be quite honest with you is we have this opportunity here where people don't have to be involved with the group, but they can still get involved. If, if they want to you know, help us out and join a membership, then they're more than welcome to. Go to our website, anyrebellion.org, uh, and they'll be able to buy a membership, and that really helps us out when it comes to making things like TIFOs. You may have uh, seen the TIFO on Saturday. It was a really, really cool experience to be able to make that, and, and we get to do things like that specifically because of our memberships. Uh, we If you may have noticed that uh, in 2021 to support our Stronger Together motto, we purchased and waved every single national flag from all of the players of the countries that they represent. So we had 11 nation fl- uh, national flags uh, waving in the fort in unison um, right behind uh, the TIFA that we made. And it was to kind of show the players that we're there to support them and they can be uh, they can be at home while they're playing here uh, in mass. So, you know, things like that is just really important, but we can't do it without our membership. So we do really appreciate those who do join up with us.
1: And Corey, is there any fundraisers or any projects you guys have going on that you want to tell our listeners about?
0: Yeah. Uh, so in 2020 to 2021, uh, we raised over $10,000, and that went to our our local uh, supporter bar, uh, Brass Monkey, and it went to a few other organizations uh, that we work alongside with. In uh, 2021 to 2022 area, we worked with Project Goal, and it was an organization who actually made uh, two uh, mini pitches in Rhode Island to help support their local community and, and teach kids through soccer, uh, which is an awesome opportunity there. And right now we are actually raising money for a, um, a company that helps, helps out uh, different individuals who are having some issues with suicide. And the way we're doing that is any Supporter Shield merch that we sell within our store, 75% of those proceeds of all the profits, Will either go to that organization or back to the Supporter Shield Foundation. So any Supporter Shield merch in our store right now, uh, we are only taking 25% of the profits, and all of the rest is going directly to those organizations uh, to help out their local community. You know, something that you know with that stronger together. I know I've said that a thousand times, but you may have you may have kind of heard of me saying where some of the companies that we're working with are. So you know, Rhode Island for Project Goal. Well, we have that suicide helpline. Prevention company. Uh, They're out of Vermont. Uh, we worked with a LGBTQ company in New Hampshire uh, last year to raise money for teens in that area and youth in that area. So we're trying to actually also kind of grow the community outside of just Rhode Island and Massachusetts. And so we're trying to spread around our community service to all all six states. Hopefully, uh, within the next year or so, we at least had one event in all six states for community service portions.
1: Well, that's great. And you guys are doing great work. Uh, And I'm really excited to work with you in the future and to bring kind of your projects to light as well, which we will mention on our show uh, in the near future as they come up. Corey, I I do have one more thing I got to ask you. Uh, it's a little bit off topic, but we got a listener question asking for a reaction to the Bryant University Bulldogs moving to America East. As an <laughs> alumni, can I just get your reaction to Bryant's inevitable rise to college basketball stardom uh, and, and as a college basketball powerhouse?
0: Oh, man, I'm pumped. I don't know if you've seen some of the signings that they've made, which is weird to say because it's college basketball. But since since COVID started, they're allowing you know player signings to transfer from school to school. Uh, because of you know everything that happened with COVID, and uh, they had three huge signings, two major forwards, and a guard. Um, and I'm I'm just forward for the season. I'm definitely nervous for Vermont, but I I seriously think we actually have the ability to compete with them next year. We'll we'll see what their coach does with some players. But yeah, I'm 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 pumped. I'm pumped for that lacrosse and baseball. I think Brian has a chance in all three of those. So. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see what
1: happens. Final four, here we come. Uh, I'm, really yeah. <laughs> about, I'm really excited about I'm really excited Bryant moving to the American East, and I'm really excited about working with you, Corey. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, I think one thing that I really like about our partnership, too, is that this isn't just a you and us thing. You know, we both want to kind of grow the fan base together, uh, kind of unite everyone. We're all Revs fans. We're all in this together. So, um, as I say, hopefully uh, we can have Matt Sitka, and uh, we can do some stuff with the Midnight Riders as well. We, we really yeah. want to Definitely. bring awareness to all of the great charitable work the rebellion and the midnight Riders do uh, and as i say if there are other fans outside of the supporters groups as you said Corey, they're more than welcome to come down to join you to tailgate with you guys i i really think it's a great message you guys are sending and uh, hopefully the fan base can kind of go forward stronger together so absolutely any final thoughts before we move into our next segment of our podcast
0: Yeah, just one one quick thing, uh, or actually two. The first one is if you uh, are looking for the Revs Recap podcast, we will be posting it on our website under our partner page. So please go check that out, and you'll be able to find all the links for them if you don't know where to go already. And the second thing is I'm going to give you an exclusive, and this is going to be the first time this has been announced, but just giving you a heads up that the Supporter Cup will return. Uh, More details to follow. But for those that don't know, what the supporter cup is it is an eleven v eleven game in Gillette Stadium on the field, uh, the Riders versus the Rebels, and all proceeds uh, do go to a, a charity uh, to to be determined. Um, usually it's Boston scores, but um, we are have not officially confirmed that this year. But hurry here first, it is finally back after a two-year hiatus there.
1: Breaking news on Revolution Recap, the first time we've ever broken news on this podcast. (laughs) Corey, really appreciate you joining us today. And thanks again to Corey Clutier for joining us today on this podcast. Great to have the Rebellion kind of on board with us. I'm very flattered that we have a supporters group that is uh, willing to kind of partner with us and help promote us and help us grow. Uh, We're really, really thankful for that. And I'm really, really thankful to kind of bring attention to their causes and their fundraisers and their events. And hopefully we get to do a lot more uh, work with them in the future.
2: No, it's very exciting to, to partner up with the Rebellion. I mean, the, the supporters groups of the Revolutions have been uh, supporters of the podcast over the years, Rebellion being one of them. The writers also have been you know, very supportive of the podcast. So anytime we can get them more involved uh, is exciting to me.
1: Well, Sean, let's move on to this game, the Revolution, finally with a must-needed win. What is your key takeaway from Saturday night's 2 nothing win? Yeah,
2: I think, you know, one of the things that's been missing for the Revolution this season is kind of someone that can be a game changer the way Tejan Buchanan was. You know, I talked about it before that he didn't necessarily fit the formation the Revs were trying to play. Um, And, you know, I I don't think that Ima Boateng necessarily fit fits the revs formation but at the same time I think what we saw today is that we need to see Emu Boateng get a lot more minutes for the revolution because he kind of was that game changing presence out there um, for the revs it took a little bit of pressure off Carles' heel because every time you know Boateng got the ball it seemed like good things were happening his service was very good he put in some great crosses and when you know Adam Books is out there you have a fantastic aerial presence up top it's you know important to get get those crosses in there it was obviously Brandon Bay that assisted the goal but uh, Books probably should have scored off of a Boateng cross as well um, I just thought he had a really good game um the only complaint is that maybe they didn't give him the ball enough he only had 34 touches but you know 90.5% passing accuracy that was the best in the Revs he had two key passes which is third on the Revs after Carles heel and Brandon By um and just overall when he got the ball good things happened um again he's you know he's not a perfect fit in diamond but um, when you look at your other options, you know, Tommy McNamara, Arnold Tristesen, I think it's pretty pretty obvious that, you know, offensively, he's the best choice the revolution have because he just makes things happen. Um and he did get two tackles as well. So he was, you know, active on on both ends of the ball. Um, you know, I, I don't know why we don't see more of Ima Boateng. I think, you know, over the years he's been on the revolution. Um, when he has gotten his minutes, he's looked really good. So I think this was just another another piece of the mounting evidence that, you know, Bruce Arena needs to play him more. Um and hopefully him going 73 minutes tonight and doing what he did uh will kind of be that kick Bruce Arena needs to play him more going forward because you know, nothing else has really been working um for the revolution as kind of that that fourth midfielder in their in their diamond. So I, I think that was a, a key for the revolution and I think he's a guy that you know, he's not as good as Tejan Buchanan, but he's got a, a ton of pace and he's someone that can cause a lot of problems when he's running at guys. And that is something the revolution have been missing this season.
1: Yeah. And he also drew the foul that I believe led to the uh, Matt Polster goal. He gets fouled on the reset. Uh, Carlos Hill kind of slides the ball over to Leggett, who had a great long shot that was saved, and Polster kind of blocked the clearance that deflected into the goal. So even though he wasn't involved in the play that they scored on necessarily, uh, he did have an impact in setting up that play. He did have another couple of Really, really good crosses there that kind of just missed early in the game. He had one to X that Renicks just kind of missed him high, um, and Renx kind of hit it over the bar. He couldn't get a good head on it. Uh, and then he had another one to Books that was very, very dangerous. had uh, just barely missed it. it bounced off Renicks and went out for a goal kick. So that also uh, did not result in anything but two very dangerous balls that I don't think you're getting from Tommy McNamara. Uh, I think it kind of eased up and, and made Dwan Jones uh, – Game a little bit more. Um, It gave him a little bit more space. Uh, They kind of rotated off of each other pretty well. Um, I think the argument that we've kind of said in the past is that you want Emma Boateng off the bench. Kind of you want him going against tired legs because he can't really be contained. But I I think you're right, Sean. I I think Tommy McNamara has kind of fallen in recent weeks it seems like tristison and Captoom aren't really the answer there either uh, and and botang was just very very dangerous today and gave them a spark that we haven't really seen in a while so um you know special jet i feel like probably sat back a little bit more uh, in that midfield to kind of cover the the center but overall i agree with you i think botang is definitely going to get another start uh the one thing i am concerned about is that it seems like now the revs don't have any good offensive subs off the bench so if you need a goal Who do you go to? Uh, It's a little concerning that Tommy McNamara might be your top offensive sub, but that's not necessarily an Emma Boateng problem. Uh, That is a revolution problem, and hopefully that's fixed in the summer window. So uh, overall, very, very good game from Emma Boateng today. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see him kind of filling that spot more in the future.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with all that. And I, the one thing I will say is, I'd like to see Damian Rivera get a chance to be that kind of spark off the bench. If if Boateng's starting, they didn't need that today because they were winning. Um, but in you know different circumstances, I would like to see him get more of a run out to see if he could be you know a little bit of a spark in that midfield off the bench.
1: And I'll go to my key takeaway here too, which is that Adam Buxa is a game changer. Um, he seems it seemed like the Revs were going to him early and often tonight, and this was just a game where he he's only on the score sheet once there were a couple of plays that could have been better notably he whiffed very very early in the game he could have made it one nothing in the third minute uh when Carlos Hill kicked a beautiful ball over the top to him and Buxa kind of whiffed on it uh there were some headers that just barely missed him uh and so this this could have been a game where Buxa came away with two or three goals but really just couldn't get it perfectly except for that eighth minute goal where uh, Brandon By crossed it perfectly to his head and he powered at home but you know he does so many things well, and you can just sense that when they don't have him in the lineup, it's it's really hard to kind of replicate what he does. He was 10 for 13 in aerial duels. Uh, he had a really nice play where they, they had an outlet pass to him, and he dribbled around two players uh, and brought it to midfield and I believe drew a foul. Um, he's able to control possession and kind of pass it off and kind of lead the transition very, very well. Um, this is a game that he's only scored once, but I feel like he should, should have scored a lot more, and... Hopefully he doesn't get any more red cards, because um, especially with Gustavo Bow out, he's really needed up there right now. Uh, not not to insult Justin Reddix, I think Justin Reddix has been playing very fine, but uh, Adam Buxa has just been, I thought it was a phenomenal game from him, and it's good to see him back in the lineup. Oh yeah, I
2: completely agree, and it just kind of hammers home the point of how terrible it was that he got a boneheaded red card. Um, you know, against Red Bull and stoppage time and kind of a lost cause. So, you know, he he is a game changer for the revolution, like you said. And you know, the, the fact that, you know, the target he can be out there. And when you have guys like Ima Boateng and Brandon Bay and Dewan Jones and Carlos Hill that can cross the ball into the box, having him out there as a target up top just makes such a huge difference. And, you know, I think you hoped that Josie Altidore could kind of spell um, that type of play when he was out there. We haven't really seen that from him yet. Um, and so for now, I think Adam Buxa is absolutely immense. Uh, for the revolution, what he can provide up there. And, and like you said, he needs to avoid getting red cards and stay healthy because, you know, especially with Gustavo Bo out, but even with Gustavo Bo healthy, I think what the revolution do um, in many ways depends on Adam Bux's presence out there.
1: And just a quick update on Gustavo Bo, I believe Bruce Arena said earlier in the week that he is expected out another of couple of weeks.
2: He, he did say after the game tonight that he's like somebody asked about it and he just said like he's progressing and he wouldn't really give anything more than that <laughs>
1: yeah no no timeline on uh Gustavo Bo at this moment in time so unsure how long Gustavo will be out but just kind of emphasizes how how important Adam Books is overall Let, but I do want to talk about Justin Renix too while we're talking about the striker position I believe this is his third consecutive start for the Revs scored last week um you know, getting the revolution recap up, uh, I would say after appearing on our show a few weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to our talk with Justin Renix But Sean, uh, give me your thoughts on Justin Renix's performance tonight.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of come out of nowhere, right? The way he's played for the revolution recently. I mean, he's been on the team for several years and hasn't done much. Um, but all of a sudden he's kind of stepped up and, and looked pretty good. Um, and I, I think he's, he's still not really a finished product. Uh, I think I'd like to see him you know, be more clinical with his chances and, you know, get more shots on frame. Um but certainly, the efforts' there. He's making some good runs. Um, and you know, with Josie and I hate to hate to bash him too much because I don't think he's ever really been fully fit with the revs. I think one of the things that was frustrating is that you you know you didn't necessarily see him, you know doing the the pressing that the revolution liked to do um to kind of create turnovers. And Justin Rennox was certainly doing that. Um, again, I I think he needs to get better at finishing. I think, you know, that'll come if he gets more minutes, um, and more confidence. And certainly that goal last week probably helps with the confidence. Um, but you know, he's been a surprise for the revolution and he's done really good and he's been a nice addition to the revolution front line. So, um, I thought he had a good game. Uh, you know, again, there's, there's things he can work on, but I thought he had a good game and I thought he's been a good addition to the revolution. That's, you know, already contributed a lot more this season than I expected him to.
1: Yeah, and Steve McGrogan, uh, one of our listeners, added to the listener mailback. He said, Rednecks, I believe he says he means Renex, but he said Rednecks. Uh, I believe that's a typo. Uh, damn autocorrect. correct. But he says Rednecks was good, had a couple of nerdy moments. He is a future star that is still learning more minutes for him and Gotang. So, uh, yeah, obviously, he kind of shares your thoughts on Emma Botang, He shares your thoughts on Justin Renex, assuming that he is actually talking about Justin Renex uh, and not uh, some Rednecks.
2: I think that's the first time I've heard someone from Hamilton, Massachusetts, be called a redneck.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I say, he might be talking about Charlotte FC, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if I classify them as rednecks. But no, I, I thought Justin Reddick's played pretty well. If you look at his stats, you know, six point three foot not, foot mob right, rating. Uh, he had two shots. Um, he was twelve for fourteen on passes, but neither of his shots uh, hit the target. Thirty touches, dispossessed three times, uh, three for ten on ground duels, zero for two on aerial duels. Those stats don't really speak of a good performance overall but if you watch this game the revs really pressed charlotte especially very early in the game very effectively charlotte was having a tough time getting the ball out of their their third they were struggling at moving the ball and justin reddix was really really effective at, it. And at one point forget who the defender was but he goes over he pressures the defendants he takes the ball straight off him and then he draws a foul which turned out to be a yellow card so that wasn't a significant play when it comes to this the stat line but that is a you know, potentially game-changing play where you get a center back on a yellow card. Overall, he had a lot of little plays in this game where I thought he was extremely effective. Uh, He seemed to fit in very well. Obviously, this is only his third start, uh, but he's improving, it seems like, week after week after week. The one thing I will say, which concerns me a little, is in the 58th minute, there is a three-on-three. Carlos Hill is dribbling the ball up. He has Adam Books on the left. He has Justin Reddix on the right. And the defender who really should have Renix is kind of cheating in towards the middle a little bit to kind of pressure heel. And instead of heel sending down Renix into space, it looks like he's trying to go towards Buxa. So I don't know if Carlos, yeah. Heel doesn't trust Justin Renix a ton. I thought that play was pretty telling because it turned out that they just kind of sent the ball over to Buxa. There wasn't really a good angle for him to run in. He ends up centering the ball to, I believe it was, Maybe it was Dewan Jones or Emma Botang or Christian, uh, Sebastian Legette, uh, but I believe there was a shot that kind of was scuffed or blocked or was cleared out of the zone. So they didn't, it didn't lead to a good chance, uh, and I wish Carlos Hill sent the ball down to Renex because I would have liked to have seen what he did there. But, um, no, I, I, Renex is a pretty versatile player. He can kind of play up top. He, we saw him down on the wing a little bit, uh, controlling the ball, scrapping for balls. Um, I, I thought he, he brought a lot to this game tonight, and I think he balanced out very well with Adam Buxa.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that, and I know exactly the play you're talking about. It was extremely frustrating um, because I thought, you know, first it was a good play from Carly's heel, and that uh, he was getting fouled in that play. He was getting a lot of pressure from behind, and he stayed on his feet, um, which is something that I'd like to see him do more of. And he did it there, and you know, got himself into a very dangerous spot. And if he played the pass to Justin Rennick, Justin Rennick was in a very dangerous spot, but he held onto the ball and kind of waited until it was too late. And then forced to pass to Adam so that wasn't really there. Um, you know, Buxa got the ball, and like you said, it didn't end up being a great chance. You know, I, I don't know why he didn't pass to Renicks. I don't know if there is a lack of trust there, but you know, Carly's heel needs to pass that ball to Justin Renicks, and if Justin Renicks, you know, messes it up and uh, destroys that trust later on, okay. But uh, that was that was a, a bad play by Carly's heel. Um, and you know should have been a really good opportunity for Justin Renick's where he could have seen what Justin Renick's was capable of. And, and again, I don't think Justin Renick's. I don't think anyone's going to mistake you know the quality of Justin Renick's for you know Josie Altidore in his prime and what we know Josie Altidore is capable of. But I, I do think if you put 32 year old Josie Altidore in this game, the Revolution aren't able to play the same way they played um, because of like you said the, the high press that they were doing at times and you know Justin Renick's ability to contribute to that. I don't I don't know you get that out of Josie Um Again, you know Josie Altidore is an extremely talented player and his quality is is much higher. Than Justin Renick when he's at his best, but I think just the way they're they're trying to play this game when Adam books is out there, Justin Renick's complements him more.
1: I agree, hundred uh, percent, Sean. We've been way too positive on this podcast. Was there anything from tonight or anyone uh, on the Revolution that did not impress you or you're a little sour on?
2: I mean, just overall. I think you know this was a game where the Revolution were coming off a long losing streak. Um, they're going against the Charlotte team that's you know had some success, but as an expansion team. I would have liked to have seen the Revolution boss this game a lot more than they did. I think this was an opportunity for them to really kind of make a statement and go out there and control the game and get a big win. And they, they you know, they got the three points, which is the important thing. But you know, they didn't do it in a manner that I would have liked to have seen. They conceded 60% possession, um, and the Revolution have actually, you know, as bad as they've been this season, they've been a you know a team that's top 10 in possession. Um, so to to have a home game where they just you know kind of concede possession to an expansion side. Um, you know, it, it ended up working out in the end, but it just surprised me that they played that way and that they didn't do a better job of taking care of the ball. Um, you know, you can't complain too much, three points is three points, but this, this was an opportunity to kind of make a statement. I thought against an expansion side of how good the revolution could be, you know, yes, they were missing Henry Kessler and Gustavo Bow and Matt Turner, but, um, as far as things go this season, it was a relatively healthy lineup. Um, so that kind of disappointed me. And then, you know, I, I hate to be too harsh on the guy that everyone's always harsh on, but I, I thought Omar Gonzalez um you know didn't look great again and in particular his passing out of the back um was poor i think they even commented on in the broadcast. There was one play he had where he just you know wasted had, you know had time and uh just you know hit a ball to nobody but he was 69.2 percent passing accuracy which is you know the worst of anyone on the team outside of adam buxa um and for a center back you know you like to see 80 percent plus passing uh at least so 69.2 percent for that position is is pretty poor um But I don't want to spend too much time on Omer Gonzalez because I think, you know, people have been commenting on his play all season. So it's not it's kind of kind of beating a dead horse
1: at this point. Well, and arguably the most dangerous chance from Charlotte. I know they scored late in the game, but that was kind of a shot from way out. It was outside of the box. It was a tough one. I don't think Knighton could have done anything about it. Um, um, it I, it was, it I was, will
2: say on that one that I think Matt Polster should have closed out sooner. But
1: sure, sure. But it was it was still from outside the box. It was still downtown. Um, it still kind of you know went perfectly far post. Um, you know that, that that wasn't really you know worked down low or dangerous or anything like that. Uh, but earlier in the game in the first half uh i believe it was around the 36th minute uh it, it, i think it was uh, rios uh bender kind of slides the ball into rios and omar kind of gives him a little, little too much space and luckily the ball hits off the outside of the post and goes wide uh brad Knighton seemed to be in good position i think he would have saved it anyway if it was on target uh but that was really the only time charlotte was able to kind of get in behind the defense and really get a, a chance dangerously kind of in the box so um Every other shot, if you look at their shot chart on MLS soccer, everything's kind of outside the box. Everything's kind of long range. Brad Knight and I thought played pretty well. He, he made a couple of spectacular saves. I'm I'm kind of half and half on this because I do think a better team probably comes away with a draw in this game. It's not good to see Charlotte come in and get 60% possession. But ultimately, if you look at the expected goals in this game, uh, Charlotte had, I think, 0.33 according to FootMob. So I think defensively, I thought it was fine. They did have a couple of hiccups here and there, but overall, I think the Revolution were the better team in the game. Uh, with that being said, I would have liked a statement win, like like you say, Sean. Uh, I would have liked a three nothing, uh, or at least a two nothing win. I, I think if they come away two nothing, I feel a lot better about this game. But coming up with you know one point two five expected goals. Um, having about 40% possession, uh, conceding late again. Uh, There's a lot of things that kind of make me concerned. So I'm glad the losing streak is over. I think they needed three points. They came into this game as minus 200 favorites, uh, according to the gambling odds, which means you should probably win about 65 to 70% of the time. So they took care of business. But overall, I don't know how impressive of a game this was. Uh, But it's a, a first step getting back on track, I'll say.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, you can't, again, you can't complain about getting three points. The Revolution needed it, given where they were at. But um, it, it wasn't the most convincing when we've seen the revolution have under Bruce Arena. I'll put it that way.
1: Before we move on to listener questions, I want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's national team merch. They have revolution merch. They have merch from your favorite European club that you can support from afar. So please check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection and make sure you follow them at Galasso Galasso kits on Twitter and Golasso kits on Instagram for updates on their new inventory. They post their new inventory every single week. So make sure you're following them on social media. So you're going to be the first to know when something that you want hits their website. And when you find something you like, please use promo code REV, revs recap, all one word revs recap to save 15% off your order. That is promo code revs recap at galassokits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. Sean, you want to get to some listener questions now?
2: Yeah, I'm curious to
1: see what we got tonight. Got an interesting grab bag here. Let's start with TSB11 over on Discord, who I think uh, got a question in a little late, and I think Chris missed it last week. So we'll go to him first, uh, loyal listener. We looked a little better today, but still lack composure and still allowed a late goal. When are the revolution going to fix their transition defense?
2: I mean, I think part of the answer is, you know, Henry Kessler needs to be healthy. Um, I, I, again, I I was never sold on bringing Omar Gonzalez on and I haven't been sold on his play. Um, but you know, it is, it is a whole team effort and I think, I don't think it was that bad, but I do think there was a couple of notable moments when at least in my, the ones that stick out to me were ones where, you know, Omar Gonzalez's pass and transition wasn't good enough. So I, I I think the answer is Henry Castro needs to get healthy. Um, and then they, you know, they still have some work to do, but I, you know, it didn't didn't stand out to me that much tonight. There just were a couple of plays from Omar Gonzalez, and I wonder if that's what, what his focus is on here.
1: Related to that, we got a question from Tristan Price on Twitter. Why do we think the Revs concede so many late goals? They're experienced and well coached, so what's the deal? And I believe that was their seventh. Uh, goal conceded after the 75th minute. I believe Tanner Ribello of the Trifecta Network tweeted that earlier. Uh, And then Tom Quinlan over at WPRO, I believe, tweeted out something that it was the sixth goal conceded, sixth goal after the 75th minute that has been conceded in the last five MLS games. So that's a real problem right now. Sean, uh, what's the deal? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think one of the things that uh, they're missing is you know, th- those presences on the bench and they're in a game like this when they're up two nothing or, you know, up one nothing and they want to close out a game and, you know, a little bit underrated is what they got out of Scott Caldwell when they could bring him in to help shore up the defense and, you know, get besides Matt Polster and, you know, really help close things out. They don't have that anymore. Who You know, who do you bring on? Off, you know, and this is the midfield when you're trying to shore up the defense. They, you know, they brought on Tristesen today and they brought on Captoon because they were kind of forced to, um, but none of those guys come on and, and give me confidence that they're going to help close out the game. Um, so I, I think that's part of it is there's not really good options at the bench, but at the same time, the other part of it is, you know, goes back to the point that the Revolution conceded 60% possession. Um, when you're up at home, I'd like to see the Revolution kind of control the play a bit more. And, you know, they have the players that are very capable of passing the ball and maintaining possession, but we didn't really see that today. Um, it's a lot easier to get a shutout, you know, weight when you're controlling the play and, and holding the ball than when you're turning it over and allowing them to have 60% possession and kind of you know pick you apart when they have opportunities. So I, I think it's kind of those two things. There's not good options on the bench to help close out a game defensively. You know, I'm, I, I guess you could bring on AJ Garza I don't know what what he would do for you if you're trying to do that I, I, I wouldn't be a fan of that idea um, but really there's there's not a lot of confidence in the defensive guys on the bench and then I, I just don't know why the revolution weren't able to maintain better possession in this one um, to help close out the game
1: yeah agreed 100% and Maciel was not available tonight which might also add to the issues I feel like he is someone that you want to put in the midfield uh, we saw Tristesen come off the bench. We saw Tommy McNamara come off the bench. We saw Wilfred Captoom uh, come off the bench. First time he's made an appearance in boy, what it feels like forever. But I guess it hasn't been too too long. I believe he made an appearance back in March. So they did empty out their midfielders. They brought in McNamara for Tang, uh in the 74th minute. They brought in Tristesen for Sebastian Leggette late in the game, the 88th, and then they brought in Captoom for Justin renix to kind of fill that midfield. You have to assume masiel would be one of those players if he was available. I think that if they can get someone... I mean, they they do miss Scott Caldwell, in my opinion. I think Scott Caldwell was a pretty sturdy defensive player who was able to hold position and also play pretty well defensively. And I don't know who's really filled in that role. I think Maciel was supposed to take over that role. But long-term, you know, if Emma Boateng... You know, if you're playing a tough road game and you want to play a little bit more defensively, maybe you don't play Boateng. Maybe you need to play Maciel. And then do you have another defensive midfielder who can kind of come on. Uh, I'm not so sure Captoom or Tristesen is that player uh, to kind of be the um, possession defensive midfielder that you need. Uh, Another thing too is that Polster got a yellow card. He played pretty well overall. Obviously he got the goal. Um, I thought he had some, some pretty great moments in this game overall. And you know, he's a very, very important player. He's one of the more, important players on the Revolution. Um, you wonder if he goes out, you know, can Masiel fill those shoes? Um, who, you know, I, I think they're really lacking a another good defensive option off the bench. Uh, and it just seems like late in games, Bruce Arena really doesn't trust any of his subs to come on and make an, a spark offensively or kind of lock down this game defensively. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. I don't know if it's a, a matter of acquiring a new player or, you know, f- filling out your bench differently or having more options or I, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but I, I think there's a handful of issues around. Right now, you know, these goals have been scored every which way. I, I don't know how much blame you can do tonight. I know, Sean, you mentioned that Polster probably could have closed him down a little bit sooner, but normally a, a player is not scoring from out there, so I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass, but you know, the, uh, the, the feral. Polster own goal from a few weeks ago was kind of crazy the night and goal from last week um is crazy it seems like they're very mistake oriented and you would think for an experienced team they'd really kind of shut down those mistakes and they did tonight they played pretty mistake free i would say there were little things here and there but no no huge gaps overall so so maybe it's just a matter of kind of um you know finding its level uh, and and kind of playing the way they should be playing as an experienced team
2: yeah, and you mentioned the yellow card to Poster. He's now got four on the season, so one more, and he's suspended for a game, um, which is which is a bit worrying, especially if Masial is not healthy. Uh, but even if Maciel is healthy, I d- I think it's a very very big shoes to fill. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. You know, he's he's gonna he's gonna watch his yellow cards because the Revolution really can't afford to have him out for a game.
1: Agree, a hundred percent. Gustavo Lopez asks us any thoughts on Brad Knighton and Sebastian Legette's performances. Sean, let's talk about uh, Brad Knighton first. Uh, and I, I kind of talked about it earlier. I thought he had a phenomenal game. Uh, he had a beautiful save off of a free kick um, going to his left, kind of tipping it wide. Uh, he also had a, a on a free kick um, where he had to kind of dive to his right, made a made a very very solid save overall. Um, some some pretty amazing saves. I think the goal you really can't blame too much. If you look at the advanced stats, it's not going to look great uh, going, you know, overall, uh, conceding one and only, I think, 0.25 or 0.33 expected goals from Charlotte. But I don't think that tells the whole story. I thought he played pretty well tonight uh, and kind of recovered from his game last week. Uh, Any thoughts on Brad Knighton?
2: No, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I got to look at that. (laughs) The goal they scored again, it was so, so fluky. Um, I mean, initially seeing it, I don't, I don't know that I blamed him for just so such a, such a fluke goal. I don't know if his positioning was off. I'd like to hear a goalkeeper expert on on that one, but, um, I thought otherwise he had a really good game.
1: It's hard to tell, too, if Polster deflected that one, and if he does get a touch on it, if that ball was kind of deflected and kind of took a a weird rotation overnight, and you have to think that there is some sort of voodoo magic with Matt Polster and having his deflections going in between the Andrew Farrell goal from a few weeks ago, uh, from his goal in the whatever minute it was tonight uh, that was the game winner, uh, and then this ball deflecting off of him and then perfectly landing in the net. Uh, You have to wonder what's going on with Matt Polster. Arguably the best deflector in mls so
2: (laughs) i mean i think i think you could make a case that knight and react a little bit slow to it um but i I don't know i don't know i I, again i'd like to i'd like to hear from somebody who's more knowledgeable about goalkeeper positioning and everything than than me um but it it was it was a weird very weird goal (laughs) uh
1: thoughts on sebastian let performance
2: uh mixed bag um I, i don't think you know, I think there were a few moments where he could have done better. I don't think he was as involved as you'd like him to be. But then, you know, he had a fantastic shot um, that led to the poster goal. Uh, a yeah, poster goal doesn't happen if not for, for that legit shot. But, you know, overall, I didn't think it was a great performance. I didn't think it was a horrible performance. And for you know a guy of his caliber, um, I think you expect a little bit more out of him than you've gotten in recent weeks.
1: Yeah, he was 24 for 30 on passing. Uh, he did have that nice long shot that led to the second goal. So he had two shots, both of them on target. He had 43 touches, no tackles one. He was over two there, six recoveries, three for six on ground duels. I think overall, maybe he was kind of playing back a little bit more. So Botang on the other side could push up and they could kind of cover that space. Uh, but overall I, I thought he played pretty decently, uh, not a star performance by any means, but, uh, obviously he's going to get a lot of praise for that long shot. He also had a very nice, uh, long pass to DeWan Jones early in the first half. I believe it was in around the 33rd minute, uh, where he kind of slides the ball perfectly into the corner for Dewan. DeJuan has a cross that was blocked that led to a corner kick. And then off that corner kick, that was the Matt Polster shot saved, uh, you know, it, it seemed like the ball was kind of in there forever. And Matt Polster finally got a, a good shot off and great diving save uh, to the Charlotte keepers right there. So, yeah, I, I think Sebastian Lejet had his moments today. Uh, no big glaring mistakes, but did, did have an impact in the game in kind of some small ways overall. So um, I, I thought he played fine, but not a superstar performance that I think some people are, are waiting for Sebastian Lejet to have. Uh, but I do think that performance is coming. Uh, one of these games, uh, just just not tonight. Well, the the only thing I'll add is I think his
2: style of play lends itself to a more possession-oriented, you know, attack for the revolution um, and less of what they were doing today, which is more of playing a counter-attacking style. And, you know, like I said earlier, the revolution before this game were top 10 in the league in possession. And I just think the way Sebastian Legette plays, lends himself to you know being a a good force with revolution and possession and helping them maintain the ball, which again is why I was a bit surprised with you know guys like the Jet and Carlos Hill out there that they didn't do a bit better at controlling possession, especially after you know getting the lead and late
1: in the game when they were trying to hold on. Moving on to the next question, Charles Maddox asks us, should we be holding our breaths at this moment or just live in it and be happy with the three points? On to DC. Uh Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh should we be holding our breaths that there are still flaws with this revolution team or should we just be happy with the three points?
2: I mean, there's clearly still flaws with the team. I think anyone that's watched them this season knows that. Um, But I think given what we've been through the past – a month or so, I think you got to just be happy with the three points and and move on and you know hope to see them build upon this in D.C. You know they, what they needed was three points and they got it. Um, you know where they go from here is is another question, but it's it's something to build on. Um, you know if they go out against D.C. and and lay an egg and you know, you're you gonna forget about these three points pretty quickly. But for now, I think you got to be happy with the three points and look at it as you know a chance to move forward and build upon it and you know, start start a new winning streak instead of a losing streak.
1: Yep, baby steps, baby steps. And it is worth noting, too, that they were without Henry Kessler. For whatever reason, injuries have really dogged down this team. They've been rotating players in and out. They really haven't had a solid 11 going game to game to game yet. So uh, maybe this is the first step moving in momentum. We should be happy with the three points. Uh, You know, I I think a few weeks ago I was asked where I am on the panic scale, and I think I said I was at a 6 or something like that. So maybe this moves me down from a 6 to a 5. I still don't think that these guys are MLS Cup favorites or one of the teams up in the MLS. Cup, you know, one of the top teams that are going to contend for MLS Cup. I still think there's a long way to go. uh, But overall, I, I think we can be happy that they got the job done just in terms of the standings. It's nice to kind of move up and it's nice to see a lucky bounce go our way. I think you can definitely breathe a sigh of relief. We did get one more question here from Ryan on Twitter. He says, It was the result everyone was looking for. I did get a bit nervous when Charlotte scored in the 85th minute. I definitely thought so too. I don't know about you, Sean. I definitely was expecting that second goal to come in. Uh, it just seemed perfect uh, for this past couple of weeks where everything has seemed to have gone wrong for the revolution. Uh, it's nice to see, even though they conceded late, uh, it's nice to see them kind of close out uh, and get a win. So, uh, any any other thoughts? No, I mean, if, if you
2: haven't, you know, if you, if you didn't get nervous when that goal went and you haven't been paying attention the last few weeks, so I think, I think it was perfectly normal to get nor nervous i think uh, anyone that's been watching the Rev's recent collapses would but you know it, it, again disappointing they gave up that goal but you know they, they found a way to, to hold on and win it and i think you know next week is going to be a big one going on the road and you know showing that they can do it against uh you know dc united in a hostile environment
1: absolutely and i'm trying to look up the standings right now to see where the revs are in the standings they are at they're, they're up to 10 7 points ooh we're tied with fc cincinnati in points Whoo, look at us uh, dc united though you know they're not exactly killing it either they're at 6 points through however many games uh, i believe they have we have a game in hand on them yeah uh, DC is two wins, four losses, zero ties. So it is a road game, but DC very beatable. This is definitely a game that the Revs can go in uh, and take three points if they find their form. So still very early. Uh, look at New York City down there at the bottom. I know they've only played five games, but they have four points through five games. So there's still some quality that uh, at the bottom of the table that you kind of expect to move up. And I think the Revolution are in that category. Hopefully the points dropped early does not hurt them at the end of the season. Definitely a winnable game, and hopefully the momentum carries over into next week. Well, if you want-
2: to talk about heartbreaking collapses dc had one tonight um they were winning two nothing at halftime against austin um and ola kamara which is you know if you're talking about good news for the revs ola kamara got a red card in stoppage time so he will not be available against the revolution um he had scored both their goals in this one to give them the two nothing lead and then they were still up two nothing in the 80th minute and conceded a goal in the 80th minute 85th minute and 90th minute to lose that one um of course they were down a man for the entire second half so it's not that shocking that that happened but uh, that that's a, a, a tough result for them to take. So they'll be looking to bounce back against the revolution, but they'll have to do it without
1: Ola Kamara, which is a nice break for the revs. Absolutely, and it is a couple of quick notes before we wrap up uh, today or move on from the game, at least. Uh, Henry Kessler, we've mentioned he is out. That was a bit of a surprise when the lineups came out. I don't even think he was on the list, the injury report. Uh, maybe he was. There was like I think, I think he
2: was listed as questionable along with about the entire Revolution roster. There were
1: week. eight. There were eight people listed. I mean, the injury report is really not even updated. And this week, it just seemed like everyone who's missed a game here or there in the last month and a half was added to the injury report, which seemed a little concerning. I think the Revs maybe just want to just in the, for the sake of transparency he just put whoever has been dealing with a knock recently so he he was on it for a lower leg injury but it's not related to that he he was listed out with illness Uh, so hopefully he is back for next week it does not sound like it is a long-term problem it sounds like he's just a little bit under the weather Uh, also should be worth noting that matt polster scoring game winning goal also crossed over 10,000 minutes in major league soccer i believe he needed 72 minutes to cross over that threshold and i believe he played the full 90 he did not come off Uh, Today, no. So uh, a goal, a yellow card and a 10,000 minute milestone for Matt Polster tonight. Very, very eventful night. Uh, And then before we leave here today, we do need to talk about a rumored acquisition for the revolution. I'm going to mispronounce this name. I apologize in advance, but Dylan Barrero, uh, a Brazilian player. Uh, Oh, actually, sorry. No, he is a Colombian who is currently playing uh, in Brazil for uh, Atletico. Boy, how do you say it, Sean?
2: I'm going to go with Monero.
1: Okay, we'll go with that. You know, I got got a voice for uh, print media, but uh, Dylan Barrero, he's a 21-year-old Colombian midfielder. Looks like he is a winger. Uh, Transfer market, not that transfer market has... You know, perfectly accurate valuations. They have him listed as a $2.75 million player. He's a right wing attacking midfielder. Um, Gustavo Lopez is reporting that the Revolution are close to signing him for around $4 million and he'll be signed to a contract that runs through 2025. Uh, Gustavo Lopez also tweeted out a few minutes ago, right before we did this podcast, that the Revs will acquire 80% of his rights, Uh, so it seems like his old team will will maintain 20% of that. Uh, But Barrero, very impactful player. Uh, He's been on the team that won the Serie A in Brazil, uh, also the uh, Brazilian Cup down there in 2021. Uh, So he's an impactful player. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this acquisition? Uh, obviously it's a very important, uh, you know, investment here, $4 million. That seems like a lot of the bounty that they got for Tejan Buchanan. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this acquisition, uh, and the expectations for this rumored signing?
2: Yeah. Well, for, first of all, he's actually still only 20. He turned 20 in January, so he's a very young player, and I, I think we assume he's going to be, you know, a U22 initiative player. And we've been saying for a while that Bruce Arena needs to, and the Revolution needs to take advantage of the U22 initiative um, to really, you know, use all their resources where they can. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have been asking for, for months now, you know, when are the revolution going to get a Tejan Buchanan replacement um, as far as a, a winger that can you know, take guys on? And uh, just earlier in the show, I mentioned Imo Boateng, and now he was able to do a bit of that today. Um, it seems like Barrero from, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend I'm a Brazilian Serie A expert. I haven't watched him you know play a full game, but from looking at his highlights, it seems like he's the type of guy that, you know, is capable of taking guys on and is, has a lot of confidence dribbling at people um you know this past season he had he only played 508 minutes again he was 19 years old um but his team won was Brazilian Serie A which you know Brazil is still the number one league in the Americas. Uh, it's a better quality league than MLS. So the fact that you know he played 508 minutes, had two goals and an assist, um, you know, for an average of you know, 0.53 goals or assists per 90 minutes is, is pretty good. Uh, it, how that translates to MLS, I don't know. But the highlights look good. He's a creative guy that can take people on the dribble, and I think the Revolution need that type of player. And it seems like a risk worth taking. Um, and you know. They need to use the U-22 initiative spots. We've been talking about that. I, I like I like the idea of signing this guy. I, I, you know Whether or not it happens and, and gets finalized, who knows. But it seems like um, a good move for the revolution. And I'm you know, very happy to see them actually use those U-22 initiative spots, uh, put those to good use. And this seems like a good move to make for the revolution. Um, you know, whether or not it works out, I, I don't know. But it seems like the, the right type of risk to make. And this is the type of guy the revolution needs to target with Tejan Buchanan gone.
1: I agree with everything you said there. And I want to just clarify something for our listeners to get into the nerdy MLS rules just because I know there's going to be a lot of confusion about the U22 initiative slot that recently came up with the new CBA and MLS. And so I just want to kind of take a moment and clarify exactly what that is. Some people think this is a similar to a young designated player, which is what Adam Buxa was, I believe uh, when he first came in, it's not a young designated player. Basically you get three designated player spots. If you are a young designated player, which is a certain age, I believe 23 years old or something to that effect. Basically the only difference is um, you, I think you don't have to pay a fee to MLS for the third designated designated player slot. Uh, And also I think there's some salary cap ramifications where um, the team doesn't play. The salary cap hit is like 200,000 instead of uh, the maximum maximum salary for a player. Uh, So it's kind of a salary cap move. A U22 initiative slot is different, uh, so you still have your three designated players. Um, if you have all three designated players uh, that are over the age of 24, you get one U22 slot. If you don't have three designated players or if one of them is a young designated player, uh, you get three U22 initiative slots. And basically what the U22 initiative slot is is these are players that are not making the maximum salary charge, which I believe is 615000 or something like that. It might be 620. Uh, But you can spend an unlimited amount on your transfer fee. So that's a a pretty significant addition here where you can go out, you can basically buy potential. Uh, The player has to be 22 years old or younger in their first year. It's got to be their first MLS contract. Uh, So essentially, it's buying a young player, bringing them to MLS. uh, And basically, it's allowing players to kind of spend a lot of money outside of the salary cap on the transfer while paying them you know, $600,000 or less. And also there's some, I believe some salary cap, real ramifications too. You can play a, pay, pay a player hypothetically 500,000, but it only accounts for I think 150 or 200,000 against the cap, depending on whether or not they've turned 20 or not. So if they're 19 or younger, it's 150. If it's 20 or higher, oh, sorry, if it's 20 or younger, it's 150. If it's 21 or higher, uh, it's 200,000. So that that's kind of essentially what the U22 slot is. It's different from a designated player. Essentially, the difference is that they have to be under the salary cap, uh, or, or sorry, the maximum salary charge of 620,000 or whatever it is, which it sounds like Berretto would be uh, $4 million transfer fee. You know, it seems like that is outside of the realm of Tam. Uh, it sounds like this is going to be a player that the transfer fee is not going to be able to, to be applied to the salary budget charge. So um, I would imagine that if this the report is true, if this number of $4 million is true, uh, then the revolution are going to be using their one U22 initiative slot on this, uh, which is extremely exciting.
2: No, it's just, you know, we talk about the revolution and their formational flexibility, and they don't have very much with their current roster. There's not really a guy that can play on the right wing. Um, you can you know, force a guy like Legette or McNamara or even, you know, Rennicks or, I don't know, maybe Gustavo Bo. But if, if the revolution wanted to play a five-man midfield with wingers, they don't they don't really have the options right now. Um, you got Boateng on the left side, but you don't really have a good option on the right. Um, and I guess Tristan on the left side, too. So, you know, this would give them some flexibility to do that. Um, on top of everything else we've said. So I, I think it's a very good move for the revolution. And, you know, you hope that he can develop into a really good player for the team. Uh, the pedigree is there. The fact that he's you know won the league in Syria already, um, even though he only played 508 minutes. I, I think this is a very exciting move for the revolution if it works out.
1: Yeah, I think it's very exciting. I think the Revolution are also scouting South America very thoroughly, it seems like. Uh, And this is the type of move that I think is in the next generation of Major League Soccer. So uh, I know the Revs are not the first one to use this U-22 slot, uh, not the first one to kind of – you know, add someone to their roster through this mechanism. Uh, but it seems like they are catching up to the rest of the league perfectly. And as of right now, too, if you have all three designated players, you can only have one slot. So it's important you kind of get it right. So if they're putting $4 million into this player, which is most of that $7 million transfer fee they got from Tejan Buchanan, uh, this is your quote-unquote Tejan replacement. Uh, although, again, I I don't know if he's going to step in day one and be the perfect fit. Uh, I don't know how they're going to develop him right away. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a signing that people can be excited about and have high expectations for if that 4 million dollar transfer fee is correct. Uh Sean, anything we need to touch on, any final thoughts uh before we close here today.
2: Just my, my final thought on that move is, you know, we talked a lot about Bruce Arena and his reliance on, you know, veterans and aging veterans particularly this year. Um, so it's a very un-Bruce-like move to go out there and spend money on a, you know, kind of young, promising but unproven talent. Um, and I think it's a nice shift. I don't know if this is going to to signal kind of a change in his business but at least this this one move i think is kind of a nice shift in philosophy for him so i'm i for one i'm excited to see that and i hope this move comes to fruition um and you know we'll see what he offers on the field but at least you know optics wise i think it's a good move for the revolution to be going out there signing a young player that has a lot of potential and uh, a lot of confidence is a guy that can go out there and take guys on and it's it's very interesting that we've seen uh, the kind of this pipeline from brazil that the revolution have recently where they've signed a lot of guys to revs too and now here's one getting signed to the first team
1: and it's interesting to see if Books leaves. I think everyone's kind of saying, well, we can bring in another designated player. Uh, but another kind of alternative is you get two more initiative slots if you don't sign a designated player. So, you know, does Bruce Arena take the Turner transfer money and reinvest it uh, somewhere else? Uh, does he, he bring in more kind of young you know U22 players and kind of bringing kind of more big money transfers, uh, kind of investing in potential and growth as opposed to maybe bringing over someone more established in Europe. Uh, that that's an interesting way. It'd be very unbruce-like. Uh, but as you said, this is a signal for a new era for the revolution. So uh, hopefully this is a success and hopefully they continue to invest kind of on the youth side uh, and become a kind of growing club and selling club uh, and kind of build this thing up, uh, you know, through the academy, through Revs2 uh, and through the U22 initiative. So I don't have any final thoughts. Sean, uh, where do people follow you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue. And you can follow us at Revolution Recap, and be sure to follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure to follow our friends at The Bent Musket on Twitter, at The Bent Musket, and follow their work online at www.thebentmusket.com for year-round coverage. And also be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion uh, at the Rebellion on Twitter, and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and their Stronger Together initiative. Thank you so much for Corey for coming on the show today. We look forward to working with you in the future. And, of course, as always, check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. Is Galasso Kits. Follow them, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Uh, you're going to find something you like. And when you do, Revs Recap for 15% off your order. Uh, and please make sure you're subscribed to iTunes or wherever you are listening. If you can please rate and review us five stars, it would help us very much. We're very close to 85 star reviews. Uh, I saw we got number 79 recently. Who wants to be number 80? It could be you. Go to iTunes right now. Give us a rating. Or if you listen to us on Spotify, you can rate us there, too. We're not quite at 80 reviews there yet, but you can help us get there. So please uh, rate and review us five stars if you can. We will be back next week following the DC United game. Hopefully, we'll be talking about another win. Hopefully, we'll be talking about another three points. But until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs.